Welcome to the Real Immunity Podcast, where we'll dig deeper into the concepts from the Real Immunity film series. Learn more at realimmunity.org. I'm back with Scylla today, and we are giving you an update. And the last we spoke, Scylla was still having her treatment that she discussed um, from the clinic. And you can go back and uh, listen to those podcasts if you want to learn more about this journey that Scylla's been on. I'll link those in the show notes for you. However, we have a well needed, well overdue update. Um, Scylla's definitely feeling more on the other side of the whole experience and has a perspective that she is just thrilled to share with you that I think you're going to find quite compelling. So we're going to launch into this little interview and conversation with Scylla. Um, Scylla, let's start by having you give us an update for the last month or so of what's been going on and your experience. Thank you, Courtney. Yeah, it's, I feel like I'm coming out of a fog. Definitely, definitely. It was, I'm, it's been about 10 months that I've been experiencing this particular journey. My original diagnosis was in 2019. And I went through a number of different treatments back and forth to Mexico. um, And then had a hiatus feeling like I was done everything came back November of last year and ramped up very, very quickly. So I was at a point where I was literally near the end. Um, went to Tijuana, had the treatments. I covered that in the last podcast and had quite a rough ride with the treatments. When I came home, I was uh, very, very unstable. My blood pressure was about 90 over 40 every day. I could barely walk to the bathroom. I was crying constantly. I was extremely depressed. Um, it was extremely difficult. So slowly, what I what I found, I stopped taking the oral chemo that they prescribed and slowly started coming back to myself. And it's been a very slow process, but I'm able to walk around my neighborhood. I have more strength. I can eat. Food was such a serious issue. The nausea, the bad taste in my mouth, the vomiting. Um, I just couldn't eat. I was about 105 pounds uh, and couldn't put weight on. And slowly my appetites come back and I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. I just couldn't even envision what lie ahead for me. And they were wanting me to go back to Tijuana for some additional treatments, some that are quasi-experimental. And I asked for data about some of those treatments or to speak with somebody who had been through them because they, they reached out to me quite frequently and asked me to talk to prospective clients which I did. And so I asked for the same, you know, I want to speak to some people. And 
not getting any answers back. So that raised a red flag for me a little bit. And I also feel like I spoke with a number of people because people are always calling me and saying they have a diagnosis. What have I done? What could they do? And I think the most important point to bring up is that there is no one thing. There's no fix. There's no solution that applies to everyone. So each person's journey is completely individual. And that's the most important point and also the most difficult point to swallow because we want an answer. We we want something that's a sure, a sure thing and that just doesn't exist. So at, at this point, I'm, I'm looking back, Courtney, I realized that the chemo, the radiation, which was very, very reduced in comparison to what would have happened in the States, it cut off my connection to source. I could not meditate. I could not pray. I I just tasted death. I smelled death. I felt death. I literally called together uh, friends and tasked them with what I wanted them to do for funeral arrangements, for organizing my computer um, once I was gone. I mean, I it was very, very difficult to see ahead of myself at all. And I stopped the oral chemo that they prescribed. And slowly, I started finding myself again. My strength came back. My blood pressure came up. I started to be able to pray and meditate again. My meditation practice is super important to me. And I feel like I can contact my guides and get answers. And that was that was gone. And the interesting thing is I talked to a number of people who went through chemo and said the same thing. They said they lived by their intuition. And once they did these methods, their intuition was gone. They couldn't hear the voice. And the only sense I make out of that is that the purpose of chemo radiation is to kill. Killing is the purpose and it it works. And I have absolute gratitude for being pulled out of that ditch. It saved my life going to Tijuana and having these treatments. But I was misguided in feeling like I must follow everything they say going forward from here on. And as myself came back, I realized that, no, I have tremendous resources and people and things and knowledge and experience. And I literally started studying the liver and how what role the liver plays in our overall health, no matter what type of ailment you have, if you can heal the liver you can heal yourself. So that's that's where, I'm, where I am now. And I'm happy to share with you like what exactly I'm doing. But do you have any questions so far? Yeah, well, I think that that's so interesting that it registered for you that this chemotherapy had the frequency of death. And as a homeopath, I'm just wondering, like, if you've had thoughts about just what that is, and if you have noticed this with other um, medications or 
you know, treatments that in clients that you've had, that this is a common thing with certain medications? I think you're right. I think it depends on your level of sensitivity and your awareness, because many people go through chemo radiation, uh, they're in remission, they're, yeah, it was hard, but they feel fine afterwards. And that sort of amazes me because how how is that possible? And I think it has to do with your level of sensitivity to frequency, to energy, um, whatever you want to call it. And mine is quite heightened because that's that's the world I live in. Uh, I'm assessing energy all the time and that's my work. So, you know, if I'd had the full dose of the standard American treatment, I think, I honestly think it would have killed me because I was down and out. I, there was nothing I could do but lie on the couch and cry. I mean, I cried and cried all day. It was, it was pretty horrible. And I, I still have severe nerve damage in my right arm and hand from having the tumor be in my brachial plexus. Um, but the radiation completely eliminated that tumor. So it shrank to nothing, but I just have residual nerve damage that is slowly coming back. So I'm able to use my hand a little more, but yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because people have told me, oh yeah, when I had chemo, I felt like I couldn't pray. I couldn't feel my intuition, uh, you know, very, very similar. Yeah, that's amazing because I, I truly, I can see that, Sola, knowing you. And, you know, when your primary language is the energy of, is, is energy, when your primary language is, is energy and frequency and you're, you're in this, that world so deeply, to be severed from that, it can be a very horrific experience. And from the outside, I feel like that was the death you experienced. You know, you were just really in the throes of that loss and not having that compass. And I guess my next question would be, what was it that inspired you to stop taking it? Well, it was interesting because one of the employees of the program I was in, in Tijuana, called me to ask me to speak with a prospective client. And she was a woman with compassion. And I felt like I could express some things to her because we had written back to some of the doctors and people in the program. My husband wrote back saying, Scylla is suicidal. What, you know, what should we do? And we weren't getting a response. So this woman contacted me and I, you know, kind of let it all out for her sobbing on the phone. And she said, this sounds like a um, drug interaction. And she, you know, just told me what she was seeing and how her sister had gone through chemo and radiation. And this looked like a drug interaction. And I decided, okay, I'm going to stop the oral chemo. And this is the interesting thing. The recommendation for the oral chemo was like four or five doses a day. And I was on one dose a day. And I stopped it. And within three days, I felt the difference. And then it slowly just started getting better and better. And I I stopped the hormone blocker. I found something natural to replace it. 
um, because, you know, stopping estrogen for a woman, because my cancer was estrogen fed. Um, so I replaced that with a natural product. I stopped the oral chemo and slowly started replacing some of the different meds with some natural things, which I was afraid to do in the beginning because I feel like they saved my life. I have to do what they told me. And again, I, I want to emphasize, this is my personal journey. I'm not suggesting anyone do any of this. This is just what happened for me. And it is so individual. And that's a lot of what the world is rising up to right now, this realization of sovereignty and how we need to be making individual choices about things with information and research and not just accepting what someone tells us as gospel truth, but really learning on our own. So yeah, so I'm working on my liver and doing a number of different things that I feel like are effective. It's very interesting to me, Scylla, to hear you talk about that medical matrix that you were in. Um, and I think it's the experience of, uh, of, of pretty much anyone um, who's in a desperate medical situation and goes to the um, quote unquote professionals for help. And that mentality that this is the way to do it, follow the directions or else right. is just deeply ingrained in you. And it's um, plugging into the fear. It's plugging into your, you know, the deepest, darkest corners of us where we're very concerned and scared. And to me, I think, um, you know, that's kind of how the matrix of that system survives because it's able to connect in with all of that. And then, you know, for you, I really see it as like, because you had such a connection with your intuition, that was not feeling right for you. That, that was like, and, and we had a whole different Scylla come out. Like we had this, this whole other Scylla that was unrecognizable, which I think definitely drew, drove, um, you know, your husband to be concerned and ask for help yeah. and oh yeah i was in another world i was off the planet totally it was it was serious and you know at one time you and i were talking and you said the word matrix and i thought that's exactly it i mean i don't know how many of our listeners saw the matrix movies they first came out in 1999 but it's about this false world that's being created and oh my gosh that's exactly medicine, education, politics, it's a matrix. And we're in the process of busting out of that matrix. And it's very difficult. It's very painful. It's what we're used to. And what do we go to? There's nothing to grab onto. We, we have to be the leading edge and make these changes. And I feel like, you know, now I feel super inspired because when I was in that and so desperately depressed, I felt like, I don't even want to do homeopathy. I don't want to do anything. I don't see a future. I don't, I don't see what it's worth. 
You know, I've done it for years and where did it get me? And and now as I'm coming out of it, I see that it's the leading edge getting us out of the matrix because these natural things do work, but it's not, everything doesn't work for every person. It's got to be individually chosen and tested and it's it's challenging, it's difficult. Yes. And, um, you know, there's times when we have to enter a matrix. It's a part of the path, right? Like you said, you wouldn't exchange it um, because it was so important for your your journey. And I think that's usually the case. So a lot of times the matrix leads to the healing. Um, However, I feel like it's so important that if people are going to enter the matrix, that they are informed and aware that they need to have in equal parts support. You you can't do this on your own and you need to be able to um, bring in these frequencies that are healing in equal parts. So as much as you're going to go into that system, we shouldn't do it unaware. And I feel like there's such a lack of informed consent period. Right. But there's also the lack of acknowledgement that, you know, this is what it's really doing and that there's other options and that there's other, other ways. And so I think it's really um, important to realize while we, we don't do it alone, we can't do that alone because we need that equal support on the other side. And I've so many times seen this happen, especially when, um, you know, in the area that I've worked in, which is being a doula with childbirth and that moment when a woman, for whatever reason, is questioning and maybe enters the matrix. It's such a difficult thing to unwind yourself from. So I think, you know, just being prepared and just having the awareness and having the support lined up because exactly what you said, Salo, you know, it's a dark place and you, you, sometimes it's like, you know, oh, well, why don't you just take Ignatia or something? But when you're in that dark place, Ignatia doesn't exist. Like you don't even think of these options. You don't Nor even. Nor does it help. I mean, I was taking remedies by the handful and yeah. nothing was really helping me. And, you know, I have to add that if, that's where your belief system lies. The matrix is okay. It's okay for you to be there. If you have a strong belief, because I know people who've gone through the traditional methods and they're doing very well. So our thoughts, our beliefs, our emotions play an enormous role. And if you believe in that, go for it. And I support people that believe in that and go for it. It's not time for them to shift out out of that thinking perhaps so yeah but I actually you know I picked up some of the medical medium books and I never had a lot of respect for Anthony Williams I felt like he was a pop star and people were reading the books and you know everybody was juicing celery and it, it was just too trendy too it was like he was a pop star but I got his liver rescue book from the library and just understanding the role the liver plays, how important it is that it's really our protection. And it's, and he claims that no matter what kind of cancer happens, it starts in the liver. 
even if it's a breast tumor or colon cancer, it starts in the liver. So that's what I've focused on healing at this point with castor oil packs on my liver, 12 hours a day. I sleep with it. Um, Coffee enemas, um, liver supplements, different liver supplements, and then also neurological regenerative supplements, which are mostly mushrooms and different combinations to try to get the nerve damage in my hand repaired. Um, What else? Back to my meditation. And what I've realized is sometimes I need to stop and meditate three, four times a day. Just stop, pull back and get quiet. And, you know, that's been a journey in itself. Like I was always daunted by meditation. I'm very cerebral. I like to analyze, think, research, and stopping my mind felt impossible. But I realized there's nothing you have to do. Sit down, look out the window, and be quiet for two minutes. That's all you have to do. And it will evolve from there as things float to your mind or... So when I get in an emotional tangle where something upsets me, and I'll have to say that now my my skin is much thinner. If something upsets me, I know instantly, and I know I need to stop, take time, and just chill. And sometimes I'll put on a bubbling brook or birds or whatever on uh, YouTube, you know, on my phone, and listen. But I have to do that for my sanity. Um, And then, oh, one of the things I'm doing, which is super cool, I read this in the Liver Rescue book, ocean baths, where you get in the tub, you put two tablespoons of sea salt, two tablespoons of kelp, sea kelp, in the tub, and a natural sea sponge. You soak for 20 minutes, and that's when that sea sponge hits the water, your liver thinks it's in the ocean. And the ocean is the most healing thing you can do. And I remember you and I, when we went together to Cancun, to Palmaya, how we would get in the ocean every morning and just bob in the ocean and talk, 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 but how beautiful it was and healing it was. And so I do those ocean baths for my liver as well. Um, and you can talk to your liver and and tell it, or you can talk to your spirit guides or pray to God or whatever whatever your belief system is, utilize it very specifically. Be specific, not just rote, you know, saying the same thing, but asking specifically, these are my fears. This is what I want. This is what I'm feeling. And right now, I'm asking a lot for when the pain comes up, help me not to be afraid and to have an understanding of why is it healing pain? Is it detoxing pain? What, what am I experiencing? Because that's when I get nervous again. That's beautiful. I love it. And um, I feel like it's a great intertwining of your intuition and spirituality with a practice, with a practical, you know, thing. And um, it really seems like that's very much activated right now for the collective. And um, I just want to bring in the astrology for a second, because we have that Pisces full moon. So we're in a time period 
with this deep spiritual connection, but the sun is in Virgo. And so we're pulling in these practices to our daily life. And just like you said, like the importance of putting that in frequently, having an intention, doing it intentionally, right? That is so important right now to do. That's very Virgo, you know, to be very specific and or in detail oriented and intentional. And right, right. It serves us, right? It's a support for us. It's a way yeah. to really use it. And I actually took a um one of those baths. <laughs> oh, you did? You tried it? I tried it on the did you like it. I liked it. It was a little fishy. I probably put too much kelp in because I did. Yeah, I love that fishy smell. That's what brings me to the ocean. I love it. Yeah. I um I didn't love the fishy smell so much, but it was <laughs> great. I felt amazing um after doing it. And uh, you know, I I I think that it just really is medicine to be in the ocean, like you said, and it's always felt that way to me. And I feel like it feels that way to everybody. Cause isn't that like the old, um, the old prescription that doctors used to give to go to the seaside. I, I want to go to those times, you know, like I want someone to write me a prescription to you need two weeks in Mexico. <laughs> right, right. Um, Get in the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Ocean. Yeah. It's so it's so healing, but also what it brings to mind still is, how healing nature is and even just being in the sunshine and mm -hmm. that frequency and being having your bare feet on earth and how mm -hmm. these are very simple things that are really accessible to people but we forget because we overcomplicate so much and you know we get lost in the the minutia of our days but it's so important to get back to that and it sounds like you're really getting back to that yeah my journey courtney has really just cause so much appreciation for some of the more simple things. Like my husband had to do everything for me. I had no right hand or right arm. I was in severe pain. I was very unstable. He literally had to help me dress and shower and cut or chop anything I wanted to eat. And I loved to cook and it was gone. I couldn't do it. And just being able to chop vegetables now, I'm slow. My hand's not a hundred percent but I can do it. And it just gives me such gratification. And it's, it's interesting. And I, I can see my future. I just have to be careful not to pile on too much and to give myself permission to stop as many times as I need to during the day and meditate and just chill, take a break and chill and it's hard in this day and age for people to do that i know but fortunately i'm very blessed that i have a husband that supports me i have children that support me i have a home i have enough to eat i you know i'm i have everything i need to heal really so reestablishing that connection with source was the key for me and getting off the drugs was yeah yeah and i i see how that was a necessary process though you know like that was all so necessary to get you to that point but um life where you stop and meditate when you need to and you take it slow sounds like a beautiful life you know that's that's a beautiful world to be able to live in and 
it feels like what we're meant to be doing. Right. 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 That's a reconnection too, to like, like, you know, severing this concept, ending this concept that we're supposed to be doing something else um, and getting back in touch. Yeah. Here's another point that the collective consciousness holds an opinion that cancer is bad, evil, black, dirty. It comes after you. It attacks you. You have to kill it. You have to have war with it. That's the collective consciousness. That's not where I live. There's a reason it comes into your life and there's something to teach you. And I had to be able to step out of that collective consciousness and not let it affect me because every time one of the Tijuana doctors or uh, people called me and talked to me, they are very much in that collective consciousness. And no matter what the conversation was, I would hang up and sob, 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 because I felt pulled back into that consciousness. And that's not where I reside. So just the realization of that was big. I think my sensitivities have ramped up exponentially, Courtney, which is interesting to me. And I'm trying to understand how to navigate them and stay stable with that extra sensitivity. And part of the plan is to do less. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, uh, I think this whole journey has been to reveal all this, you know, to bring you to this, this new understanding and these new gifts and this sensitivity is, is a big part of it. And yeah, I, I think that um, it strengthened your sensitivity to go through this process, you know, like it's a muscle that got worked out of necessity, you had to, you had to counteract a lot of um, intense things that were not resonating with your system. (laughs) Right. And the contrast, like, your support, the support of others. I've had clients drop things off at my house, write me notes, send me texts. This loving support is where I live. And as those things dribbled in, that's what kept me going. So I just, and the donations people have made. I mean, the the medical care was $100,000. It, you know, it was huge. So all of these loving supports that have come from people have meant so much to me and people's prayers, because I know prayer works. So I just want to thank everyone out there who has been so loving, so supportive and literally manifested that support in different ways or just their thoughts and their care for me is meaningful. Beautiful. Well, Scylla, we can wrap this up if you're complete and um, hopefully be back with another update soon. Is there anything else you want to add before we go? No, just my deep gratitude and thanks for yourself, Courtney, and for all of those who have supported me. It's meant so much to me and just staying in the present. I got to stay in the present and whatever happens is just, it's just fine. There's nothing to fear and I'm, I'm good to go and moving forward. Beautiful. Well, it's 
nice to have you back. (laughs) My husband keeps looking at me and saying, I'm so glad you're back, Scylla. It's so good to have you back. Because he has lived it 24-7. So. Oh, so beautiful. Awesome. Well, um, thank you guys for listening. And we'll be back soon with with another update. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. You can go to realimmunity.org to learn more about health, homeopathy, and homeoprophylaxis, and to watch the Real Immunity film series. Thank you.